Hello and welcome to The Construction Revolution, the podcast that's leading the charge for change in the construction industry. I'm Maria Coulter, the construction coach, and I'm on a mission to bring positive lasting change. As an industry, we're crying out for greater profit margins, cash that actually flows, a more diverse and inclusive culture. We need companies to value themselves and their people. We need greater leadership. We need teams that trust each other and less stress. Oh, and we also have the small matter of the skills gap to solve as well. During this podcast series, I'm going to be talking to pioneers from within our industry who are doing things differently to solve these issues. I'm also going to be bringing you fresh ideas and perspectives from outside of the industry to inspire and guide you in bringing about some much needed change. As Henry Ford said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. It's time for a revolution. Are you ready to join me? Welcome to episode seven of The Construction Revolution. This week, I'm talking to Andrew Lee, author of the book, Ethical Leadership. Ethics is something that we talk about a lot in our industry, but what does it mean to be ethical and how can you establish an ethical culture? Whether you're a large organization or a small company, this podcast will give you some insights and ideas to improve your business and impact positively on our industry. Okay, so I'd like to welcome Andrew Lee to the Construction Revolution. Andrew is co-founder of Maynard Lee, who are a leading UK development company, specialised in helping clients to achieve behavioural change. And Andrew is also the author of a fantastic book that I've read called Ethical Leadership, which is all about how to create and sustain an ethical business culture. So welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Well, it's nice to be invited. Thank you. You are very welcome. I mean, we we met, I think, for the first time two or three years ago because your book really impacted on me. I read it about two or three years ago and I was writing a, a course for the Chartered Institute of Building on ethics and I came to interview there. And uh, yeah, it just, I absolutely loved the book and it just really sort of made a, a big impression on me and I could see how it could impact on the construction industry, which is why I wanted to invite you on the podcast today. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, ethics is, it's something that we, we talk about in construction and, um, you know, quite often if you work in this industry, you're a, you're a member of a membership organisation, so you become a chartered professional. And we have to go through, um, you know, some ethical training we've got to answer questions on ethics and things like that and it's something that we talk about but until I really started delving into ethics about how do you really translate what ethics means people talk about it but they don't necessarily understand what it means and so I guess my first question to you is how do you define being ethical well that's what I like is really pointed questions um, can we just start with the you know the industry that you're talking about it's kind of helpful to put a perspective on it is that I mean in many countries the construction industry I mean largely drives economic growth doesn't it and uh, we need to know uh, the truth about it which is that most of the research shows that uh, the actual industry itself uh, is one of the most corrupt of all world sectors, and that's according to Transparency International. So we've got an industry that desperately needs to make sense of ethics. And you're quite right in saying, you know, you can talk about it till the cows come home, but does it really matter? 
you know, in terms of the actual nitty gritty of the industry? And it's a good question. What do you mean by ethics? I mean, the short answer is that ethics are the guiding principles that govern how a person should behave or do the right thing. That's the classic way people talk about ethics. That's a short answer. The long answer means is, is that ethics means making choices and actions based on values. And these can include things like openness, transparency and diversity, honesty, adopting what's called ESG or values based on environment, social and governance factors. And this issue of what do you really mean by it applies to anybody that looks at the question of ethics. It's not just a case of, well, ethics are different for every person. It's that everybody has to find their own way to what it means to be ethical in their particular industry and how to, how to put that into practice. Just talking about it isn't enough. It's, it's reasonable for you to ask the question, what on earth do you mean by ethics? And, and you know, anyone in the uh, industry, no doubt, has their own view uh, and needs to be able to come to a conclusion about what it means for them and their company. And how do you come to that conclusion? Like, how do you define what ethics means to you? Because you, um, you talked about values. So is it that, you know, you have to understand yourself and you have to under, understand your values in order to understand, like, what guides your moral compass? Yes, I mean, I think it is about a moral compass, but I think, in, in essence, what your question is about is, you know, what's in it for me? You know, what, 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 what are the benefits of, of us as an industry being ethically driven? I mean, why bother to talk about it? You want to know what's the purpose of it. And the short answer is, the reality is that ethical companies on the whole are more profitable. I mean, most of the research shows that if you are an ethical companies, company, you attract business. You attract people that trust you. You attract customers. You attract shareholders. You attract, you attract stakeholders who want to be uh, aligned with you in some way, whether to make money out of the industry or the company, sorry, uh, or whether it's because they like to be working in a company that is trustworthy. Um, so again, there's plenty of research to show that um, a, a company that, that understands ethics by, for example, having a code of ethics uh, generates more economic value and market value um, than ones that don't have a code. And that's the research for example, of uh, the Institute of Business Ethics. If you take, say, for example, personnel today, there was a study of over five years uh, to look at, um, you know, what pays in terms of ethics. And so, for example, the Co-op Bank was one of the ones that came out saying ethical policies have had a real contribution to our overall performance. And wherever you look, when you get down to the individual company, they will tell you that ethics makes a difference. If you talk in very, you know, metaphysical terms about ethics, of course, it sounds very vague and, you know, well, what do you mean by it? So each company has got to arrive at why it's important for them to be ethical. Companies tend to make their decisions about ethics from practical point of view. In other words, is it affecting the bottom line? Is it worthwhile being ethical? You know, so you've got the issue of profits versus ethics. But the, the general picture is that companies that subscribe to being ethical not only pay but people like working for them uh, and they vote with their feet and millennials for example those in that age category you know are well known to um, uh, 
want to employ to want to be employed by an ethical company so what what makes companies not want to be ethical i guess because you said that there's a lot of corrupt um organizations out there you talked about the fact that there is evidence to prove that being ethical equals more profit so what is driving people to not be ethical well i think this is a very interesting question because obviously there are lots of people who are unethical whether by deliberately being unethical because they're cheating uh, or by the default they make a mistake or they do something stupid uh and they don't mean to be unethical but they somehow end up doing wrong things why should people um be ethical well we've been over that um i'm not sure how to answer your question really i mean it it, it makes sense for a company to be ethical it doesn't make sense not to be ethical, but there are people who find it profitable to be unethical. For example, um, in America, there are companies that are willing to pollute the environment in order to make a profit. Uh, to the extent of example, cutting off the tops of hills everywhere in order to mine the area. They don't care what they do to the landscape and the environment. Um, or companies that pollute rivers because you know they've got effluent and they don't know what to do with it. You know, there's a perfectly logical reason in the short term for doing unethical things. So that's why it often happens. But it also happens when people are unsure what to do and they do what they think is right. Like, you know, the company wants me to do this. In fact, actually, the company doesn't want you to do it. Or if you take, for example, um, Wells Fargo, a famous bank situation where, you know, there were incentives for people to behave towards customers that were not to the benefit of the customers and they were doing unethical things in relation to those clients or customers and you could ask the individual person why are you doing this and the answer is well because my manager wants me to do it you know he wants me to open up an account that they don't actually get any benefit from or they don't want a credit card but we're going to give them one and one anyway you know there are lots of corrupt ways that people feel um, they can ra they can rationalize they can argue that you know well i thought this was the right thing at the time um and the actually the number of what they call bad fish or bad um you know uh, bad employees is actually relatively small in most organizations um they, you know there are people who are who want to cheat you know they 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 think it's more profitable for them personally um so you can't avoid that you know that's you know what life is about isn't it they're always honest people and dishonest people yeah that's true i mean i remember when i was writing the ethics course and i really delved deep into the the subject of ethics and i think my understanding of it and what really sort of hit home for me was it was the importance of understanding like who you are and your values so i kind of delved deep into you know what drives your moral compass and and it is like your values your beliefs your culture where you're from you know things like that your, your upbringing but also influences around you so if you are being um influenced by the organization that you work for then that can sort of influence your moral yes. compass as well yeah. Yeah. um which is interesting but the values bit i think the thing that really hit home for me was the example was two people might have the same values but they actually, you know, one of them would do something ethical and the other one would be um, do something that was, you know, unethical. So, for example, a, um, an athlete, both athletes might have the same value as, the, you know, they want to win, but one would take performance enhancing drugs to do it and the other one 
wouldn't it's it's interesting like how two people with the same values could sort of yes. make that decision isn't it sure. yeah and and uh, that's of course why a lot of business people retreat into the fact that oh it's all a personal matter you know we've each got our own moral code but i don't think that applies in business you know it's perfectly possible for a business to have some standards and norms around things like honesty, integrity, openness, and all those things that we've talked about. Uh, and for those to be um, treated as important values for how the company runs and for people to be trained in knowing when those are in question or what to do when they're not sure as to whether they're being ethical or doing the right thing. What matters is do you have a culture, as you're rightly saying, where you can talk about these things, where there's an opportunity for, say, for somebody to say, I'm not sure that we're doing the right thing. Can I check it out with you? You know, it's not always absolutely clear cut. I mean, the most, one of the most obvious one is deliveries, you know, where you've said we will deliver this regardless of, of you know, obstacles, we'll get your delivery on time. And so everything is geared for delivering on time. Um, and, you know, you've got managers who are saying, well, don't let's worry about the quality, just get it delivered, you know? Uh, and they think they're doing the right thing until somebody comes along and says, no, actually what matters is that, you know, we care about treating our customers well, or our core value is giving value for money and quality, and you're breaching those standards. So it's important that we recognize that ethics are about norms, about laws of operating in the society, and that a company has to develop its own code of ethics, its own standards of practice to say what it thinks broadly are right and wrong. So for example, you know, a company says, we don't support slavery. We don't support bribery. And you know, if you're uncertain as to whether you're encouraging those things, you know, let's talk about it because you know, if you're not sure, and there you might say someone, well, I'm in charge of uh, the production uh, channel for a particular product. I, you know, I don't know whether they use slavery. Well, the answer is find out. Don't just say, I don't know. And um, so you've got companies now, I mean, who, you know, have a view that they won't employ slavery, only to find out that somewhere down their value, their supply chain, there is slavery. And Tesco's is a good example of that. I mean, at Christmas time, this last Christmas, 19, uh, 2019, the Christmas cards of Tesco included in somebody's batch uh, a Christmas card, which came from somebody in a, in a production company saying we are prisoners, political prisoners, and we're having to produce Christmas cards. And Tesco's was appalled at it. I mean, they weren't supporting that at all. Now, how did that happen in a well-run or reasonably well-run company like Tesco's that, you know, they thought their supply chain was ethical, but it wasn't. Nobody set out to be unethical, but it happened. Well, that's because they didn't have sufficient checks, even though they'd visited a few months earlier they visited that factory and it all looked okay they were taken by surprise so often companies are do face these risks and a lot of the issue about ethics is about risk taking you know how much damage could we cause if we do this thing so it's important that companies ask these questions you know, is this thing ethical is this going to damage our reputation if we do this would we be upset if this appeared in the daily mail what we're doing would we um, be proud to tell our families we're doing this. You know, these important questions are 
you know, they, they sound vague, but they really hit home when you ask an individual, well, what do you feel? Would you tell your mother you're doing this? The answer is, well, probably not, you know, unless you come from a very corrupt family. So, you know, most companies can find their way to what you called the moral compass of the organization. I mean, there's no such thing as a moral compass. It's just a set of rules that we're operating to. But we use the handy phrase moral compass because it sums up, you know, the direction that the company is going. And it's got some sense of purpose that fits into some standard that they say this is our moral compass this is this bit isn't acceptable this is the norms what's right what's wrong what's acceptable what's not acceptable and the company has to spell that out to its employees you know it's got to be able to say you know do you understand what this means and to have regular sessions with staff to help them get to grips with this because as you say people um, can be tempted or they can misunderstand something and they need help to tackle these issues? Do they have an open culture in which these things can be talked about? Can I go to my manager and say, I'm worried about this? Or do you feel if you did that, your manager would, you know, penalize you in some way? Um, you know, we talk about a speak up culture. Does the company encourage people to speak up about things that are going wrong? Now, why would a company do that? Well, because it wants to do as much as it can to stop these things happening. So we have compliance rules companies develop a whole set of and sometimes imposed on them by regulators um, but the ethics are essentially you know are we doing the right thing to check that we are compliant I mean it's one thing to say here are the rules it's another thing to say but are we following them and are we helping people to follow it I mean in some organizations a discussion about ethics takes place regularly in a team you know once a month the team sits around and says well yeah we did this we did that are we still being ethical guys? You know, are we being, are we proud of what we're doing? So the, the, the thing that we talk about as ethics may sound vague, but in practical terms, it's got some very real life applications on the job. I mean, those questions that you were talking about earlier, I mean, I think are they referred to sometimes as like the acid test questions, you know, like, would you, if you told your parents about this, you know, what would, would you be happy to tell them? Um, would you be happy to sort of see this in a newspaper or something like that? But how do you, an ethical company, because there's a lot of companies out there who, you know, they'll say that these are their values and they're just the standard sort of values that, you know, you, every other company seems to have on a website. And they'll say that they've got policies, you know, you mentioned like modern slavery. I mean, obviously that's a a big thing um, that people are focusing on in the construction industry to stamp that out of the of the industry. But people have policies. Um, they've got rules and regulations that they've got to comply with. But how do you kind of... How, how do you, you embed it? it? Yeah, how do you yeah. embed it? How do right, you build right. that culture? Very good question. I mean, that is, of course, um, one of the key issues for anyone interested in this whole area is that, okay, let's assume we ought to be ethical, but how do we embed that in our whole culture? Um, and it's a challenge for every company, for every chief executive, for every leadership team as to what do we need to do to make sure this pervades our culture? Um, I mean, the short answer is you don't embed it. You nurture it by having the right culture, the right values, and with senior leaders who walk the talk, they go around, they speak about it. They say, this is what the company stands for. This is what matters to me as chief executive or as a middle manager. This is what I think the company stands for. 
I want you to understand that. Do you have a question about that? So the short answer is you don't embed it. You can't force it down people's throat. You can just make it, you know, part of the normal way that the company talks about it regularly. And you'd be surprised how few companies actually talk about ethics regularly. I mean, it's pretty staggering. I think you can ask the most basic thing, like, do you have an ethical code? You know, without an ethical code, it's pretty hard for people to know, you know, what's right and what's wrong in the company terms. And a company that has a strong ethical code will usually back it up with some kind of training. And nobody escapes that kind of training. Everybody from the top person downwards goes through that training and understands that it's part of the culture to be aware of what the codes of practice are. You know, by giving people a regular opportunity to talk about ethics and what it means to them, you open up the whole question of what do we mean by ethics? Are we doing the right thing? What, 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 where are the blank spots that we're not sure about? You know, it becomes part of the ambience where people feel they can talk about it regularly. It's not surprising, in other words, if somebody starts talking about ethics. You don't get a reaction, you know, what do you mean by ethics? And, you know, why are you talking about this? Why aren't you talking about the delivery? Or aren't you talking about the quality of production? You know, you know, I want to talk about our ethical performance. There's nothing wrong in doing that. And good managers are promoting that as a matter of course. They're going around, they're talking, yes, about, you know, whether something's delivered on time or this building is constructed properly or whatever things happening in the construction industry. But those managers are also willing to talk about ethics. They don't hide under a bushel, you know, under a bush saying, you know, I don't want to talk about ethics, you know, it's, it's too complicated, it's too vague. It's like, you know, they're willing to say, well, I can tell you what the company's ethics are. I can tell you what our moral compass consists of. And you have to remember it's constantly being adjusted in the light of changing circumstances. You know, what's right this year certainly turns out to be wrong next year. You know, it was right to have uh, diesel engine cars some years ago because it looked like they were low permuters, uh, polluters. Now they're, they're high polluters. Okay. So, you know, was it ethical to sell those vehicles at that time? Is it ethical now? You know, there's those questions that every company has to tackle. Did we do wrong selling that car? Well, no, you didn't do wrong, but you weren't doing a lot of great things for society, were you? And now it's definitely wrong. You know, so you get these questions that become um, more open through discussion. Yeah. And how do you how do you sort of come up with a moral code, I guess, with a with an ethical code? Like, how do you you know, if you're a if you're an MD of a company and you think, well, we've we've never sat down and had a formal kind of ethical code. We've got sort of standard. We've got policies in place and things like that. But, you know, we haven't got anything formal. Like, how do you. How do you start to put something like that in place and what sort of things should you be including? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think we get asked that a lot. And I mean, the short answer is you, you start by making a commitment to ethical behavior and how the business operates. That's the short answer. The long answer, of course, is that, well, I expect you, if I was asking whether you are going to embed it in your system as best as you could, I'd say, well, do you talk regularly about the values of your organization? What do you mean by what's right and what's wrong? Um, I'd expect people to share their fears about things happening around them that might put the business at risk. Um, I would try uh, to build ethics into all the processes that go on. You know, so people can, when they make a decision, they don't just make a decision. They also ask the question, is what we're about to do ethical? You know, and that nobody looks shocked and surprised that the question's asked. 
they, they say, yes, okay, it's, it's ethical. You know, we think it's okay. And, you know, you've checked. I'm not saying you tick a box. I'm saying you do ask the question. And people are able to say, no, I actually am not sure what we're doing is right. If they'd have done that in Wells Fargo, they wouldn't have taken all those customers for a ride. And, you know, there have been lots of other examples like that. Um, uh, adopting a code of ethics and making it stick through compliance is another obvious route. Regulators expect a company increasingly to have a code of ethics and to demonstrate that it's actually putting it into effect. So it's not so much whether you're a small business and it's all too complicated. You're expected in your particular industry to have these things. You may not have the whole, you know, bells and whistles, but go with the whole ethical system. But you've got many of the attributes that suggest you're trying to be as ethical as you can. And that will attract customers and justify it in its own right. One of the things that's just occurred to me through this conversation is that if you've got a company who are, they're performance driven. So the, so their business is all about like, you know, getting things there on time or whatever. Um, and if they're purely focused on that, or if they're, you know, they know that there's bonuses attached or there's, there's whatever, it's all about the sort of the financial, this is our goal, this is our target, this is what we're going to achieve. Then it's almost like everything is blindly leading towards that, but they, they're forgetting like the impact of what they're doing because yeah they are achieving their goals and their missions and things but but at what expense and they're not necessarily they're not looking at that side of things yes it's not rocket science it's you know it's not something that's very very complicated it's human nature has to be uh, helped to do some of the right things you just can't leave it to people and say i'm sure you know what's right i'm sure you know what's unethical you can't be sure on a lot of things and people need help to know well this is how the company views it or do you think i'm doing the right thing and asking the question is as good as actually you know raising the issue so it's how people feel they can ask the question you know do you take it to the board because you feel your manager hasn't listened maybe not you find another route in but the question is do you know what the route to dealing with this issue is and until everybody knows I mean, I think the classic one is um, the, the classic one is about the production line. You know, that I think the Japanese had the idea and, and have had it for many years. That if you're on the production line and you see something isn't working, you can stop the production line costing millions. You can pull a switch and the production line stops. You know, the most junior member can do it. Now, will they do it? Well, they have to be trained to understand you'd better be bloody sure <laughs> when you do it that you're doing the right thing, but you have the right to do it. And if you're frightened of doing it, well, find someone who will do it with you. You know, can we give you support systems where in a team, for example, the team can get together and say, we're pressing the button and saying it's no longer right that we're making something bad or something dangerous or we're missing out on the, the, the risk factor that we see to be there. Um, it's not impossible to build these in, but you've got to be committed. You've got to want to be an ethical organisation. It doesn't just happen. Can you give me an example, and you don't have to name names specifically, but of a company where they've turned things around. So if they haven't, if they've had a, a problem with ethics, if they haven't been ethical in their behaviour and, and you've sort of, you know, they've turned it around and, and done something different. 
Well, there have been quite a few companies that have had problems. I mean, one of the, one of the most famous ones is British Aerospace. You know, they were vilified for their corrupt practices of getting orders. Uh, and British Aerospace became one of the leaders in, for example, giving them staff really good support on how to deal with these previously unacceptable forms of behavior, particularly on bribery, um, because it became very important to British Aerospace to do that. Otherwise, you know, they fell foul of regulators and, you know, the, the rules of the game. But there have been lots of companies that, you know, having found themselves in the wrong end of a huge fine from regulators for their behavior, banks in particular, have had to get their act together and train people up about what it means to be ethical. I mean, several banks have uh, been known to hire hundreds of staff to help them try and deal with some of these practices that are unacceptable. But that's all part of the compliance game. You know, are you at least working to standards have been agreed. What's trickier, of course, is where the standards have not been agreed and you're starting to make decisions and choices where the consequences are unknown. I mean, you take artificial intelligence, for example, we don't know what some of the, the impact of this is going to be. And, you know, there are questions about what's right and what's wrong that have to be debated and need to be debated before you go down that road. And people are much too hurried, much too um, in a hurry to go down some of these roads without asking these questions and only to find out that, you know, the society then is appalled at what they've done. The biomedical research is another good example where, you know, somebody started tinkering with DNA in a big way, uh, thought he was doing something great for science, only to find out he ends up in prison. You know, you need a support system. To be an ethical company just doesn't happen. You have to invest serious time and energy in ensuring that there are the component parts that people understand the values, that they have codes of practice, you have people focusing on compliance when you're a medium-sized company and you can afford that. When you're a small company, it's driven from the top, as you said earlier. Um, it's, it's possible to do it. Yeah, and what examples have you seen with the people that you've worked with of how... Because you talked about the fact that, um, you know, ethical companies are more profitable. So what kind of um, evidence have you seen anything particularly on companies who've built an ethical company and, you know, they have got, they are more profitable? Well, I don't need to produce those. There's plenty of research around now on those companies. I mean, there's dozens of studies that have looked at exactly the question you've asked. Know, which of the companies? The most famous one is Ethisphere's, um, the world's most ethical companies. Once a year, Ethisphere um, gets companies to fill out a very extensive form. I think it's about 35 pages of questions, detailed questions, um, about their practices. And it draws up a list of what it thinks are the most ethical companies of that list and every year it produces these are the top 50 top 60 whatever it is ethical companies in the world and then you can look at well what are their practices they're all different but when they answered all those questions they gave sensible answers that satisfied the judges that they were doing the right thing within that constraint so I suppose they would ask things like you know um, do you have a sustainability policy right yes or no 
saying yes wouldn't be enough. You'd have to now start saying, well, what do you mean by that? But, you know, that list every year is quite a national, internationally renowned method by which people have a benchmark because just about any company can go onto that, you know, can apply to join that list and fill out the 30 questions. I, don't, I think there's probably a minimum size company to, to do it. But, you know, so it's a well-respected methodology for saying which are the best ethical companies and why. Now, whether they're the most profitable is another matter. But the research from Ethisphere shows that the ones at the top, you know, the most ethical companies are also the most profitable. So if people have a look there, then they'll be able to see, you know, what the characteristics are yes. of these yes. ethical companies yes. that they could potentially um, emulate. Yes, yes. Ethisphere will explain in great detail or give you the questionnaire about this is what you'd have to fill out in order to be able to be on our list. And, you know, I don't know, I can't remember whether you have to pay to be on it, but, you know, it's very detailed. Anybody who's ever done an ethosphere question would find it pretty demanding. You wouldn't do it in half an hour. Um, and, you know, that gives you a benchmark. Well, that's a good resource to sort of point people to. But just a question that just occurred to me um, that I wanted to ask you was, what led you to writing a book about ethical leadership? Like, because there's such a lot of work that's, gone into it i know you've got a blog on um ethical leadership as well but what what drove you to to write the book i mean why was i mad enough to spend time writing a book on ethical leadership yeah good question i keep asking myself that when i look at it <laughs> um i i i think in running a company with my colleague colleagues um for 30 years now as a training and development company um one of our core values is integrity and that has often bugged me really to say, you know, what do we really mean by integrity? I know what it means and I think our staff know what it means, but it led me to feel what, well, what do I mean by an ethical leader? Someone with integrity, what does that really mean? Hence, I wrote, you know, what is in effect a book on creating and sustaining an ethical business culture. And I've tried to set out in the book and I'm not alone in this. There are lots of other people who've written similar you know, publications on ethics. I've tried to show what are the components of an ethical uh, culture. And I mean, I just got very interested in it because it seemed to raise lots of things that I'm interested in, in running a business that is not going to rip people off. It's going to do a good job. Our mission as a company is to bring about behavioral change uh, for the benefit of humanity, meaning and vitality. So, you know, that's what we want to do. Those are our core values. Um, when we go into a company, we would say our purpose is to bring those three things, humanity, meaning and, and vitality, to the workplace. We think that's important. Do you have it? And often the customers say, well, yeah, but, you know, tell us more. You know, how do you get that? We'd like some of it, you know. So it is a, it is a worthwhile exercise in, I feel, having done it. And I feel proud to have done it. You know? Well, it's, it's an important piece of work. And... Um, you know, it, it gives a lot of um, insights and guidance. I mean, I really enjoyed reading it. But what do you think are the, the key, you know, if you think about an ethical leader, what attributes do they have? What qualities do they have? Every leader has to take responsibility for that issue. And, uh, you know, when they, when they do, they provide a good um, guidance to colleagues as you say, taking responsibility. It's about the fact that they want to build an ethical organisation. 
yeah i mean you know um who wants to build an unethical organization you know it's it's like you know people with unethical values well, exactly so i mean you know uh, you know the, the whole issue is one that should be incredibly obvious that you know a minimum requirement of a good company is that it's ethical and that means understanding what the values are and following those values wherever they lead i mean the, the most classical one that's always quoted is johnson and johnson a famous story about uh, their product called tylenol which was a, a product on the shelves in america i think it was a, a some sort of drug to help children sleep or something i can't remember now um and it dis people discovered that it was um, being tampered with on the shelves and uh, you know people were poisoning it there were, there were actual deaths and the johnson and johnson board sat down and said what do we do about this now some companies would have said well you know let's fix the ones that have places where it's gone wrong and put out you know propaganda how safe our systems are and all this sort of thing but what johnson and johnson did was they looked at their values and one of their values was the customer comes first their safety and security is our prime concern that means we withdraw everything. Every bottle that's out there will come back and be destroyed and we will do something about making sure it can't happen again. And what they did is they designed a new top that couldn't be tampered with. You know, if you tampered with it, it would show. And actually that did wonders for Johnson & Johnson for many years. It was a classic case study in a company following its core values, ethical performance, Making a really making a really difficult decision, costing millions. I mean, to imagine the whole of America. You know, these bottles are in every, you know, pharmacy around the country. You withdraw them all. Hundreds of millions of bottles have to come back. Costs absolutely enormous amount of money. It was one of their biggest earners as well. But they did it, and they replaced the stuff. And you know, they went from strength to strength after that. Uh, yeah, I think I've heard that story before. I mean, one of the things that just sprang to mind. Um, when you were talking about that story is you said about their values tapping into their value that the customer comes first because last week I interviewed a guy called Kevin Murray who's written a book about purpose like purpose-driven organizations and you know leaders with purpose etc and he he was talking about companies really tapping into what their purpose is and the fact that a lot of companies, their purpose is to make money. Their purpose is to achieve a certain amount of profit, you know, for their shareholders and things like that. But going back to what's important is about, you know, the customer, it's about the client. The purpose should really be about the person that you are creating products for, I guess, in construction, you know, the, the person that you're creating buildings for, the, the person that you are creating products for, like there that's got to be sort of at the top of the tree when it comes to to your values and and your ethics and you said at the very beginning about issues that the construction industry has around corruption and being unethical but i think lack of profit margins and being you know cost driven that is driving a lot of negative behavior when people are just thinking about the money and they're not thinking about like the purpose in the bigger picture of course there's been some major rethinking about purpose in the financial industry big companies like blackrock have put out what they think purpose is actually about make a 
contribution to society. In India, for example, where I have lectured and talked about this, there are many companies in India whose purpose includes a social responsibility. It's not just something you do on the side, like social, you know, uh, like something a uh, do-gooding. That's part of the purpose of the existence of the organization, to make a difference in the society, a positive contribution. So purpose is a very critical factor, but it actually comes back to your point about um, uh, the moral compass. You know, does your moral compass include a clear purpose? You know, have you got a purpose? And the idea that you're actually just driven by profit and making a profit, and this is the only way we can survive to be a profitable company. If that's your only criteria, then you've got something terribly wrong because you're not there just to make money. You might be from a shareholder's point of view saying, we want you to make as much money as you can. But as, I mean, there's a famous uh, chief executive now from uh, Unilever uh, who has retired now, but in one of his first actions when he took over as head of Unilever was to announce that Unilever would no longer provide quarterly financial returns saying what the sales would be. He said, if that's what you want to know, guess what? We don't want you as a shareholder. You know, if that's what you think we're there for just to make you money, you're wrong. And of course, you know, he did all sorts of very good things from helping children uh, avoid disease in you know, various countries using soap and washing. You know, he promoted actions that were for the benefit of society, not just to make money. Yes, it probably did make money in the long run, but that wasn't the purpose. The purpose was to make a contribution. Yeah, definitely. I totally get that. Um, I think the last, one of the, well, the last question I really wanted to ask was, um, the construction industry is predominantly made up of uh, small, medium and en enterprises. So they make up a high proportion. Um, how do you, if you're a small business, how do you kind of start on your sort of ethical journey and start to embed that culture into your business? Well, first of all, I don't accept that because you're small, you can't have an ethical approach. In fact, actually, many small businesses are a lot more ethical than large ones. Um, but I think the answer is, well, there are certain things you can do, no matter what size you are, that are very simple. You can make sure that you keep talking about values, culture, and what it means to do right in your particular firm. You can share people's fears or help people share their fears about things happening around them that may put the business at risk. You know, you, you, you provide an environment in which your staff can talk about things that could damage the company's reputation. You know, you make it acceptable to have a regular meeting around issues like that. What's a, where could we be at risk for bad behavior and practices? You can build ethics into all the processes that the company is doing. You could make it mandatory. Whenever you make a decision involving, I don't know, a certain amount of money or people or action, one of the questions you ask is, is it ethical? It becomes a filter question that happens automatically. It has to be answered properly. You can adopt a code of ethics, even for your small enterprise. You can say, these are our standards and norms or code of ethics that we subscribe to and you can make it stick through having sort of some sort of compliance action you don't just leave it to happen you you check that people are following it now all those are simple things that a small organization can do to a greater or lesser degree it's when you don't do any of it that really matters 
definitely okay well that's some great advice um and uh thank you so much for for sharing your insights today i really appreciate you taking the time out for the construction revolution okay well good to talk with you thanks for asking thank you. i hope you enjoyed my interview with andrew lee my biggest takeaway from this is the need for us as an industry to talk about ethics more and also consider the acid test questions before you make a decision. I'm going to put the link to the CIOB ethics course that I wrote for FutureLearn platform in the show notes. You can sign up for the next cohort of this course and I would definitely encourage you to read Andrew's book. It's full of practical tools and case studies to prove that being ethical is not only the right thing to do but it's more profitable. Next week, I'm going to be talking to Derek Mills, author of The 10 Second Philosophy, also known as The Standards Guy. If you've ever set goals and not achieved them, then daily standards are the missing link. I certainly think that this ethos could revolutionise our industry. If you're enjoying the podcast, please like and subscribe and leave a rating to help others find us too. See you next time.